Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the angels of God meeting Jacob as we pick up in Genesis chapter 32, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So we turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Now, in the 31st chapter, we had the parting of Laban, Jacob's uncle, as he kisses his grandchildren goodbye, as he sets up the stone, and as he gives a heavy-duty charge to Jacob, saying, you take care of my girls and my grandkids, and if you do anything wrong, May God watch over you and take care of you. And so Laban departed with his host and returned back to Padanaram. And Jacob, chapter 32, went on his way, and the angels of God met him. So he has just left the host of Laban, and he starts on his way again towards Esau. And the angels of God met him. No doubt this was very encouraging to Jacob at this point, to meet the angels of God. Now, it is interesting. It doesn't tell us in what form or whatever. We do know that angels did, in many cases, take on human form in the Old Testament. In what form the angels met him here is not declared, just that the angels of God met him. Angels, it seems, are able to materialize and to speak to people. Actually, in in the book of Hebrews, we are told to be careful to entertain strangers. You might be entertaining angels without even knowing it. Now, to my knowledge, I have never seen an angel in my whole life. My wife gets upset when I say that, but but I mean a really, truly angel. She's an angel, but not a really, truly one. I don't think. There is a pastor up in Boise, Idaho, that declares that Gabriel's been visiting him over a period of time. From the things that Gabriel has supposedly told him, I doubt that it's Gabriel. (laughs) Now, we are told that we are not to believe every spirit, but to try the spirits if they be of God. And we are told that Satan is able to transform himself into an angel of light in order to deceive. And Paul says, if an angel of heaven preaches any other gospel than that which you've already received, let him be accursed. So if an angel would come along and say, hey, God loves everybody, and it doesn't matter what you might do, 
God will accept you and receive you. You don't need to pray. You don't need to, you know, come by Jesus Christ. Hey, let that angel be accursed. The angels of God would not reveal or say anything that would be contrary to the already revealed word of truth which we have in the Bible. So, though I've never seen an angel, I, I am open. I would, I would enjoy the experience very, very much, I'm sure. There are angels, the scriptures said, who have been given charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Sort of guardian angels, I do believe in them. Mine has been with me on several occasions and has, has helped me out. I'm very conscious and aware of, of my angel's presence with me on occasions and, and of his help. And uh, there have been occasions when I've turned and said, thanks, buddy. Appreciate that one. You know, it was really, you know, I don't know how I got out of it myself. But, uh, it, except that the angel of the Lord delivered me. And uh, it was very obvious that it was just the hand of the Lord that delivered. So Jacob met the angels. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. He just saw Laban's host. They were a rough host. But this is God's host. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Mahanaim means the place of two hosts. So it was the host of Laban and the host of angels. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Tell him, Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. So the reception committee with Esau was on their way. So it was the third host now. There was the host of Laban. That was very uncomfortable. There was the host of angels. That was comfortable. There is now the host of Esau coming with 400 men, and that, again, is uncertain. But it seems to be uncomfortable at the moment because the last time uh, he saw Esau, Esau was threatening to kill him. Why would he want to bring 400 men with him unless he intended him harm? And so the news is disrupting to Jacob. He doesn't like the news that he hears of the 400 men that Esau is bringing with him. Notice, Jacob in his message to Esau is pointing out his own wealth in order to cause Esau to be comfortable 
not thinking that Jacob is coming back to claim his inheritance, coming back to claim his birthright, coming back to take away from Esau or to try to take from Esau. I don't need anything. I'm very rich. I have servants, men servants, maid servants, cattle, oxen, the whole thing, and, and I'm returning now. And, and the addressing of him as Lord, though his father said, and your brothers shall be your servants, yet Jacob is, is addressing him as the Lord. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him the flocks, the herds, the camels, into two bands. And he said, If Esau comes to one company and smites it, then shall the other company which is left escape. So he immediately began to prepare. The first thing was just to divide the whole company into two bands. Figuring if Esau strikes one while they are fighting and all, it would give the other band an opportunity to escape. And then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return to thy country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Now, Jacob, as he begins to pray, is immediately reminding the Lord of what the Lord said to him. How oftentimes in prayer I remind the Lord of what he said. Lord, you've said where two or three are gathered together or where two or three agree. Now the Lord knows he said that, and I know he said it, but I just like to remind him that he said it every once in a while, you know. I like to remind the Lord of his promises. Now, Lord, you've promised if we ask anything and just remind him that, Lord, this is what you said. I didn't say this. Lord, you said this. And so Jacob is doing much the same thing. He's reminding the Lord of what the Lord said. Lord, you're, you're the one that said, return, and I will deal well with you. Now, oh, Lord, I'm returning, and here comes my brother. And uh, the acknowledgment in verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I have become two bands. He is returning now to the area where Jabok enters into the Jordan River, and as he looks down into the valley and he sees the Jordan River before him, he remembers 20 years earlier when he was fleeing from his brother all he had was just a walking stick, just my staff. Coming back now 20 years later, God has been so good and blessed him so abundantly that he's had to divide his whole group into two companies of people, two bands. Lord, I don't deserve anything. I'm not worthy the least of your mercies. You've blessed me abundantly. When I passed over Jordan, all I had the staff. Now I've become two bands. Now, to give you a little idea of how large a group he had with him, in his present to Esau, he sent to him 550 animals. 
Now that was just a small part of one of the bands of animals. So I mean, this was a big drive of cattle and sheep, and servants and all that Jacob is coming back with, a wealthy man. And he attributes the wealth unto God. I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving, yet look what you've done. And then his, his real request, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And you said, again reminding God what he said, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. I, I do think that there's tremendous value in the promises of God's scripture. And as we remind ourselves of what God has said, Lord, you have said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord likes you to take him at his word, stand upon his promises. The real prayer is deliver me from the hand of Esau. Now the honest confession, I am afraid. And it's an honest confession. It may be a negative confession, but it's honest. And I think an honest negative confession is probably better than a dishonest positive confession. Well, I'm not afraid. Everything's all right. And you're trembling. That isn't honest. Jacob is honest with God. I'm afraid that he's going to come and kill me. Very negative confession, but it was true. Jacob was afraid. And it's best to be honest, honest especially when you're talking with God. It's, it, it, who do you think you're kidding <laughs> when you're not really honest with God? He knows your heart. He knows what's in your heart. You're not fooling God at all. So it's best to be honest with God, totally honest and open. I, I love a frankness with God. I love being just blunt and frank when I talk with God. I love to tell him exactly how I feel. I'm more open with God, I think, than I am with anybody else because I know that I might as well be. I know it's ridiculous for me not to be open with God. I know that there is not any hiding of anything from God, that everything is open and naked before him. And thus any endeavor of mine to disguise or to color or to in any wise alter the true feelings of my heart are just absolute folly. It's just deceiving myself. And so a great openness with God, a great honesty. Lord, I am afraid. I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I just really am disturbed over this thing. God, I'm angry. I'm mad. I can't stand what they're doing, Lord. And just be honest with God about your emotions, about your feelings. And then God can deal with them. As long as I'm uh, trying to cover and, and, you know, try to fool God and say, oh, that's all right, Lord. Everything's okay. Oh, I feel great. No, it doesn't bother me. No, no. Yeah. Man, I'm not. I, then God can't deal with the real issues of my life. 
until I get just really frank with him and, and honest in my dealings with God. Jacob was honest. And then he reminded, as I said, God of his promise, you said, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea. Now, Lord, how can my seed be as the sand of the sea if Esau wipes us all out? You see, that's the idea. You, you made the promise that I'm, you know, my descendants are going to be un, unnumbered. And, and Lord, that'll never be if, if Esau comes and wipes me out. And so he lodged there that same night, and he took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. Two hundred she-goats, twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes, twenty rams, thirty milk camels with their colts, forty cows, ten bulls, twenty she-ashes, ten fowls. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves. And he said to his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space between the droves and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When he saw my brother meet you and ask you, saying, Who are you? And where are you going? Who do these animals belong to? Then you shall say, They are of thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau, and behold, he is behind us. And so he commanded the second, the third, and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when you find him. And say, moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward I will see his face peradventure, he will accept me. So Jacob prays, and then he does his best to set things up. Now, as I told you, one of Jacob's problems was that he felt that God couldn't do his work without his help. In other words, Jacob always was trying to help God out. Jacob wasn't a man to just trust the Lord alone. He, he was the kind of a fellow who who would pray and then do his best to set things up. He was a very wise man and a very a clever man. And he always was scheming, always conniving, always manipulating people. And this is just another one of Jacob's manipulations. Having prayed, rather than just leaving it there with God, then he does his best to help God work out the situation by setting up this whole appeasement program, sending out the servants with all of these droves of cattle and, and sheep and rams and goats and so forth, so that by the time Esau gets to him, He's sort of just overwhelmed by all of the presents that he has received from Jacob. And he is hoping that the anger of Esau will surely be appeased by all of these gifts. You say, well, God wants us to do something, doesn't he? Yes. I do not believe that faith is really passive. I think that faith is active. And I believe that God does expect us to use our heads. 
and use the wisdom that he has given to us. But I do believe that God wants us to be trusting in him and his ability to do his work. I think that too many times we get into problems where we shouldn't really get involved at all, where we're trying to help God out, and God doesn't need my help. And so he went the present over before him, and he stayed that night in the company. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants, that is, Bildad and Zilpah, and his eleven sons, and he passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over all that he had, and Jacob was left alone. I really feel that he sent them all away so he could get a good night's sleep. Others think that he sent them away so he could spend the night in prayer. That doesn't sound like Jacob. He's a practical man. And as I say, he really is trusting in himself uh, more than God at this particular point. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 32 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and keep you I pray that God will give you divine insulation by his Holy Spirit that will just sort of ward off all of the evil influences that are pointed in your direction that surround you daily when you're on the job or in your classroom or or, or just dealing with, with this corrupt system. I pray that God will just help you to keep your mind and heart fixed upon him and that you'll look above the corruption of this world and that you'll be strengthened as we look to Him, our only hope, but who is our strength and our defense. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to tell you about a book written by Chuck Smith entitled Living Water. In this book, Pastor Chuck explains how God has the power to change your life through His Holy Spirit. This book will help you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life, covering such topics as who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? What are the gifts of the Spirit? And how should I respond? 
It's Pastor Chuck's desire that by God's grace and through this book, the Lord will develop in you a hunger and thirst for the things after the Spirit that will help you come into a deep and personal relationship with Him so that your life will be transformed. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Living Water by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. That's 800-272-9673.